high atop the pastoral center of the Diocese of Camden, you're listening to Talking Catholic. Hello and welcome to another episode of Talking Catholic. It's Carrie Janice here and I'm very excited to be back with my co-host Mike Walsh, my good friend Mike Walsh. Oh, well, I'll, I'll take both. That's that's perfectly fine. The, uh, and, and we're on the road uh, and not in uh, Roman Catholic Campus Ministry. We're not we in Glassboro not. together. I had to drive somewhere, we're but not, it wasn't the vault. We're not in the vault. We're not in the vault. We're not in Glassboro. We're not in Williamstown. We're not in Wildwood. I know. This is a brand new location I for know. us. It's fun. One of my it's favorites. Good. I'm on a rolling chair, so I'm rolling around. <laughs> it's kind of nice. <laughs> no, you and I are in beautiful, bucolic Woodbury, New Jersey, uh, in the pastoral offices of Holy Angels Parish across from St. Patrick's yeah. uh, Church, uh, where I was married. Oh, nice. So this is oh, actually, awesome. Yeah, I lived in Woodbury for about uh, five years after mm. we were married. And uh, so I, anytime I get to come back here, I, I'm very happy. And and the pastor is one of my favorite human beings on the planet. Yes. So and I, I've been to too. like two or three weddings at this parish as well. It's a Friends great. Of mine. It's a, a, definitely three. I can name three right now that I've been to. I find it to be an yeah. excellent wedding parish. It it's, a, it's a good church to get married in. It's very, great. very beautiful. The sanctuary is really nice. It's also very warm. Mm-hmm. Not I mean, it's a, it's warm. It's, there's a lot of wood, a lot of dark mm-hmm, wood in there, mm-hmm. and it just has this like nice warm feel to it. Of course, yeah. I also got married there, so I'm probably yeah. biased. It's, it's a beautiful church. It's a beautiful it really church. They're, they're side altars, and oh, they're very nice. They really are. So if you ever get a chance to come to uh, Woodbury, make sure you check out uh, St. Patrick's Church. It's uh, mm-hmm. absolutely beautiful at Holy Angels Parish. Yes, for sure. So, so we are here tonight because uh, you've had one heck of a week. Uh, stuff you're putting Busy. on. We, you and I haven't seen each other in a month or so, I probably. Know, I know. Time flies. I, I, I miss the parish picnic at uh, St. Bridget's, where you and I yeah. both spend a lot of time. Yes. Uh, so I wasn't, but I heard it was a very nice affair. It and, was. Uh, it was really great. It was oh, uh, just a joyous day, a beautiful day, a, a nice sunny day, mm-hmm. great family time. JP crying because he lost the potato sack race. I mean, it was great. It was a good time. It was really great. Well, how old JP now again? He's five. I believe yeah. that's a, yeah. an appropriate response. Yeah, he was, he was definitely very bummed about it. So then they're like, well, you win second place. Yay. And gave him the prize and he was happy. But your Rowan Catholic Campus Ministry folks are doing a great job. I popped in uh, during your uh, life chain uh, yes. this past weekend. Yeah, that was that great. Was good. Yeah. That was really nice. You're, we, it was uh, sort of led between uh, Father Gallagher and your respect life leader, Kat, yeah, who we had on the podcast, right? Yeah. right? yeah. Yeah. She was great and she gave a nice uh, sort of talk to everybody who was there. Mm-hmm. And it was, a, it was a, I liked it because it was a great combination of the Catholic Ministry folks and the parish folks who were yeah, there. Yeah, it was really good. It was it was really nice to come together to pray peacefully, to stand witness right across the street from a university with many students, yeah. many women, and it was just a great witness to life, to women, to we care about you and your children and your babies and all life. So it was a great witness, and people stopped, people slowed down. We had a few people, you know, one the pastor next door from the church uh, had left his services and was like, amen, amen. I'm like... You know, we gotta invite him next year to and his congregation to be a part of this. You know, that's great. That's and, that's a great little church. It's next yeah. to it's uh, it's kind of a like a black Christian church, yeah. and the folks there are fantastic. They and are. yes, They're they were warm. they were very complimentary to mm-hmm. to everybody who was out there. And 
And I like that. You know me, I love whenever Catholics can be very public. Mm -hmm. uh, but it was then that you pointed out to me the uh, kids that live across the street who had put up the Rowan Catholic Campus Ministry mm -hmm. symbol on their windows mm -hmm. looking out. And yep. I, I love that. I thought that was great. Yeah, we always we always give witness wherever we are. And that logo follows us, you know. My background in graphic design, so anytime I put something on Instagram, I like, put the logo on it, you know. So it is um, a great witness in our faith and in what we believe in, and um, it's based off of First John four nineteen. Mm -hmm. We love because He loved first. So right. we're we put it out there, and our students reflect that, and even in their windows to our you know to the campus. So it's really good. Well, you seem to have a, a great batch this year. You know, it's, they're a month in, and mm -hmm. uh, I've been really impressed by them. Thanks. So good, yeah. good job. Yeah, praise wait, God. It's wait, been wait a great, them. great semester so far, and our eboard leaders are very strong, strong in their faith, strong in their beliefs, and their morals, their values, and um, they're just going. We're just the semester's going. And right. just like college semesters happen, it's like a blink in the eye. <laughs> You're already on break in between. So I'm gearing up for that kind of. <laughs> you mean kind of. you're looking forward to the break a little bit? I mean, we're we're five weeks in now, so about a third of the semester is already done. So it just flies by. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I well, I'm always good. looking forward to a little break. It's always yeah. nice. No, no, but, I, mean, I mean, there's time before that, but it's. Well, I'm just saying it's going quick, and I know it'll be here before we before we know it. Well, you do a ton yeah. of work because anybody who's been on your social media will realize that weekly schedule you have. I actually don't know Thanks. how you keep <laughs> keep it all. And actually, I'm taking you away from stuff tonight too because uh, yeah. we are. So we have a very special guest today, and he was with your Rowan folks last night, yes. which I want to hear about because I saw the, the photos yeah. and it was amazing. And then uh, he's doing another presentation here uh, for the parish and mm -hmm. the surrounding area. So who do we have with us tonight? Yeah, so we have with us the one, the only Jason Everett, the go-to chastity guy <laughs> who is here with us. So welcome, Jason. Good to be on. Thank you. Good to have you with us. So. We, um, we're, we're here to share a little bit, you know, you gave two presentations in our diocese and we'll speak a little bit more about them, but tell us a little bit about your background, your history and, and kind of how Chassis Project started and, and to get you to where you are today. Cause you've been doing this over 20 years now, right? Yeah. I think 26 years yeah. now. Yeah. So. so it started back at, when I was in college, I went to Franciscan University of Steubenville and, uh, I was leading high school retreats at the time, just volunteering and on the retreats, the kids would really open up to me about what they were struggling with. And a lot of it had to do with relationships, sexuality, broken families. And it just seemed like they had no formation on the topic of human love and chastity. Um, and so I saw that need there, but then I also was doing sidewalk counseling, um, in front of an abortion clinic in Pittsburgh for three years, uh, you know, talking to women who are having an abortion in 45 minutes. And I just started started really feeling late. Like, why am I meeting her now? And she's having an abortion within the hour. Like, why couldn't I have met her when she was 15? Because maybe if she learned about chastity then, she never would have dated this guy to begin with. And I kind of felt like I was standing on the banks of a flooded river, just throwing sandbags on there when there's a dam broken a quarter mile upstream. And so long as everyone's just focused on doing damage control, no one's actually going to the root of the issue. It's like we're all dealing with the supply of abortion, but no one's focusing on the demand for it, which was on chastity. And so I realized, well, maybe instead of giving her the talk at 24 years of age in front of an abortion clinic with her boyfriend kind of uh, nudging her in, maybe I need to back up a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so uh, at the time I was doing the crisis pregnancy counseling and then the youth ministry stuff, um, I was also reading Love and Responsibility by Pope John Paul II for the first mm -hmm. time. And I realized like, this is the antidote, like this is it. And and I and so I just started sharing bits of that with young people and the light bulbs would go on and it just felt like, wow, this is it. This is kind of where the world's kind of deep hunger and then like my gifts kind of intersected. Mm -hmm. um, and so just started sharing it and I got hired by Catholic Answers out in San Diego to do apologetics and evangelization. But I said, you know, my 
my heart's with the high school kids. They just want to be in the schools and that kind of thing. And so right. we opened the doors and started speaking in some of the assemblies, and it snowballed pretty quickly to, you know, 100,000 kids a year. Wow. And so we've been doing it now for 26 years on six continents to more than 2 million teens in person. So we start at seventh grade, and but a lot of the work, most works in high school, and then we'll do some stuff for college students as well, and then on occasion for parents. But yeah. trying to really focus mostly during those critical teenage years. Pope Francis said that marriage preparation begins at birth. And so that's kind of the idea that we're not waiting till six months before your wedding date to start getting mm-hmm. the house in order. Mm-hmm. Like we need to be doing marriage prep for 15 year olds, you know, yeah. remote, proximate and immediate marriage prep is the way the church looks at it. But everybody focuses on the immediate. And so we've got to do this vocational preparation a decade before the wedding if we hope it's going to last. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure with today's society and the way things are going, like kids are getting exposed to so much, so much younger. Like, I mean, I think you can even start giving some of these talks mm-hmm. to like fourth and fifth grade, even even younger, sadly, yeah. be just the way society and the internet and it's yeah. so so available today. And I'm sure you can well, see that within the talks. Certainly in the state of New Jersey, it's, it's something that needs to be at an earlier age because we've seen what the Department of Education is doing in the public schools and not having that counterbalance there. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll uh, kids in our in our school systems will will not realize that that's an option. I mean, mm-hmm. that's not something that's really discussed. It's not really in the oh, in no. the materials. And and that's I mean, I've said it once. I've said it a thousand times. That's one of the benefits of our, our Catholic schools. But not everybody can go to a Catholic school. Mm-hmm. Not everybody has the availability for a Catholic school to get this. Mm-hmm. So that's why works like this, the the work you do, and and many of your colleagues in the field are so you know imperative and you know you're someone who's worked with young people for your entire career mm-hmm. um, is this a topic you've been able to to preach to them oh time absolutely to time? It's, yeah. um, I mean my husband and I have given chastity talks at various youth groups and use your information all the time Jason quote you and share some of the same stories that you share and you know always always recommend chastityproject.com to parents and teens and and now it's opened up you know to many different avenues of chastity it's not even just about no sex before marriage but it's the whole gender ideology and so many other um, avenues that have gone into what chastity actually means and parents struggling and kids struggling and private talks and main talks um, definitely have used jason's material and of course, Pope St. John Paul II's material as well, Theology of the Body, to just share with others um, the importance of it. And yeah, is it something that comes up all, all the time, all the time in youth and now in college ministry as well? Uh, definitely comes up a lot. You know, this is really a question for both of you because you, you both worked in the sphere for a long time. But, but Jason, I'll ask you first. Um, do you find the kids to be a little bit more open to it than the parents? I, I found that parents sometimes have a lot of difficulty mm-hmm. with the concept of chastity oh kids are a piece of cake <laughs> no it's so they're so much easier than the grown-ups you can you know? win them over yeah the, the grown-ups are, i mean it's a tough nut to crack i remember someone once explaining that uh tenured university professors they, they said there's a certain crustacean that lives in the ocean that once it attaches to like its host organism it'll actually eat its own brain for nourishment and then just stay there for the rest of its life and they said it's like a tenured university professor like once they latch <laughs> in they don't learn anything else and i think unfortunately sometimes the adult they operate that way mm-hmm. that I have my you know I'm, I'm set in my ways and I know what I think about what the church teaches on human sexuality and sometimes it's not in line with the church mm-hmm. teaches and mm-hmm. so the, the young people uh, they tend to think they know what they believe like oh yeah sex is bad and dirty going to hell blah, blah. but you know they go in there and then they realize okay this guy's not shaming us he's not wagging a finger in our face and giving us guilt trips and scare tactics this guy's real and uh, he's relatable and he's just honest and blunt 
And uh, I can relate to what he's saying because, yeah, yeah, I want love, but I feel like I'm just drowning Mm -hmm. and it's counterfeit, you know, and I want the real thing, but I just don't know how to find and maintain what it is that I want. And so I think if we take that right approach with them, they're so much more receptive. I mean, the the kids today were just, I mean, the the applause afterwards at the assembly, they were so hungry and they mobbed the tables full of chastity, books and materials. And they're like, I didn't get the commitment card. Do you have any more of those? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, sorry, we ran out, Mm -hmm. you know, and uh, it's like what Steve Jobs said. He said, that people don't know what they want until you show it to them. Mm-hmm. And so we have to show them chastity and then they'll desire and realize they actually do desire it. Yeah. yeah. Would you agree, by the way, with what he had said? 100% agree. And uh, honestly, like working more with youth themselves than the parents. Like, it's just <laughs> yeah. easier. And, you know, not only can you win them over with your own love, your own witness, but with the facts itself. And exactly, if, if people are set in their ways, there is no changing them. And, well, there is. There is through but... prayer and through, you know, sometimes sipping away at it. But it's a little bit easier to go to the youth themselves. And, um, and I do you know, see the value in that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. We have to, with the adults, we have to rely on a little bit more on the miraculousness of our yeah. faith. <laughs> Holy Spirit, please come. <laughs> and sometimes they need the chastity talk more than the kids do. Yeah. Also, we, also we can't true. just think, oh, parents, good kids. So like a lot of times when we do our evening presentations, we kind of use the teenagers as bait to get the parents to come. Mm-hmm. It's not, no, don't dump your kid off at CCD and come back mm-hmm. in two hours. No, you, we want you here hearing what I'm saying to your kid because you're the primary sex educator, not me. Yeah. You know, and so we want those conversations, those doors to open up and instead of just drop them off, we'll catechize them and then you pick them up and he sticks his earbuds on and that's that. Mm-hmm. No, like, well, let's get the talk going. Yeah. yeah. So you want to talk a little bit about last night? With I the do actually, yeah. Maybe? And then we can... I was really disappointed that I couldn't go. My son yeah. had a baseball game that I absolutely had to be there for. It's important. It is. It's part of the part of the deal being a parent. Uh, but you know I love coming to going to Roan University when you are on the campus in the middle mm-hmm. of, of of everything that's going on. I didn't realize it that that the the location of the talk last night was going to be in the pit, which we've talked about on the podcast before, which is this very central area in the student union that is completely open to three floors of yeah. of everything. That, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and coffee shops, study lounges, <laughs> yeah. food, yeah. It is a target rich environment for yeah. being able to sort of publicize our faith and this being mm-hmm. a, a very unique topic I have to imagine to most college yeah. students who, you know, I am I, willing to bet that most college students, when they go to, go, most of them, when they go off to college, are looking for that freedom of not having to, and thinking that, mm-hmm. you know, this is not a, a freedom topic, that yeah. this is a restrictive topic, but your perspective must be completely different on that. Yeah, no, I, I love the venue because there are students mm-hmm. studying up in their desk and sitting over here and mm-hmm. you can tell, like, wait, wait, is this? You know, yeah. people walking yeah. by and then stopping and listening. So I love Worked that it well. wasn't just tucked away in the Catholic Newman Center. Yeah. yeah. That it was just like, hey, this this message is for everybody. And mm-hmm. so, you know, God willing, some the hearts were changed that weren't expecting to hear yeah. the message last night. So. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, could get a gauge of the crowd and I would say, you know, Jason, you were asking me earlier, like, how many do you think is going to be Newman? How many do you think is going to be students? And I would say it's probably about 70% of people I knew and about 30% of people that I was like, no, never saw this person before. And we actually gained some new members of our campus ministry through last night. Yeah, about four new people joined our group wow. chat just, just from last night alone. That was really great. So it was a great evangelization tool and also a great way to bring in other young adults from other parishes. They were able to come and I did see some of those. And then just the, the other the other people just passing by. There was some people I just saw up in the third floor 
and they were studying and they weren't studying. <laughs> they were listening. Like the <laughs> books were in front of them, laptops open, and they're just sitting there hanging over the edge, just kind of listen, listening to, to what Jason had to say. And, oh, it was just incredible. And uh, the books were gone before half of the presentation was even over. So that was great. And people, some of our students are asking for more books. And that message was heard on the, on the hearts of the college students at Rowan University. And that was the goal, mm-hmm. uh, to not have it at St. Bridget's Church, not have it anywhere else and book it in that student center pit and um the goal was met you know thank you jesus you know thank you holy spirit and thank you jason like i mean it was just totally met um through through your words and through the holy spirit like working in that student center pit last night and it was it was awesome to witness it was exciting and um continue you know continuing on a high today from it it's like coming off a retreat you know you get all excited you're like living that high like that's what i was feeling all today and i know our students were too they were talking about at the house today it was great that's really great to hear so what was your message to the students uh, well, the talk is called College Dating 101, mm-hmm. and the, the idea is that by the time they get to college, a lot of these Catholic kids especially have already heard everything they're not supposed to do in relationships, no to this, no to that, no to that, and then they get to college, it's like, okay, like I know everything not to do with a woman, but like what am I supposed to do with one? It's yeah. like, well, well, we don't teach that, good luck in college, bye. And it's just like, then they get dumped into this culture, and it's like, okay, well, how do we navigate through all this stuff? How do we find, build, maintain relationships of lasting love? So we give them about just a half dozen practices practical strategies, you know, starting with enjoy the season of singleness in your life, that focus on the friendship, really get to know this person before you dive into a romantic relationship. And then, uh, you know, moving on to the next points of, you know, instead of like always looking for the perfect person, uh, look inside, like, what do you need to deal with before you begin your vocation? Because if there's some stuff going on in your life right now that would be toxic to a marriage, deal with it. You know, don't just sweep it under the rug and think marriage is going to be some kind of car wash. Like Mm -hmm. if it's an addiction or lack of ambition or self-absorption or pride or whatever, like deal with it or mental health issues that you just don't want to focus on, like deal with it. And then the next one was like focusing on your fears. You know, maybe guys are afraid of initiating relationships and why is that? And it's often they don't know how to even start them. So we give them very practical tips. Okay, here's how to ask a girl out. You know, not over a text (laughs) message. Use the word date, plan the date, don't take her to the movies, you know, and just walk walking them through the really nitty gritty practical just non-religious basic courtship stuff they never get taught how to do Mm. and then talking to the girls as well about you know not falling into passivity but also not being aggressive and trying to find that balance when you're wanting to have a romantic relationship or dating relationship but no guys are asking and the guys are just like on the dating apps and like, so, so how do you get something going without despairing and settling? And so we talked to the girls about that. And then also when you're entering the relationship, this is kind of the fourth point of just defining the relationship, not kind of dating, not kind of this gray zone. Like how do you like have clarity and deciding into a relationship instead of just sliding into it? And then the fifth point is about guarding the innocence of that relationship, uh, the importance of chastity and purity uh, to free you to love, to free you to know, you know if you're being loved. And the sixth point, we talked about cohabitation and why not to move in together until after the wedding. And the final point was talking about chastity inside of marriage, where we talk about family planning and not contracepting, using NFP if you need to instead, and the whys behind that. And then just how to live it all out and staying connected to their faith community and the sacraments and things like that. But the, the young people, I mean, they're so receptive to this. I mean, people are like, are we going to have protesters? Like, nothing. I mean, they're just hungry. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and it's, you know, like like I said, it's not this guilt trip type of thing. It's like, hey, here's what to do. Yeah. You yeah. know, because you, you want love with Sometimes we don't know how to find it. Yeah. yeah. It was a lot of facts, a lot of practicality, like, and just things that you're like, 
well, we shouldn't be saying this, but we need to because mm-hmm. it has been lost in society today. It has been lost in what courtship really is and what it looks like. And, um, you know, hearing our students' reaction to that, even ones that are formed in their faith and, well, like, they still need to hear it too. And the ones that are, like, really formed in their faith, living this out, you know, dating correctly, I said to them, this is, like, just a boost for you. Like, we all need that little boost. Sometimes we could fall into, like, feeling despair. Or, you know, when is that person going to come? Like, I'm trying to live my life the right way and look for the right person. So really was a good boost for the ones that are like they're living it out already but they're still kind of you know you can fall into that despair sometimes like or why, why isn't this happening so i think for everybody no matter where they were at in their faith from the pastor buyer to to our regular students to, to people that came because they heard about it it there was something for everybody in there and, and a lot of good stuff i mean all good stuff it's like an hour and a half long i mean it didn't stop and then mm. the questions afterwards had a line and yeah. they said oh be out by 10 i was like oh we'll be out by 10 no and like here we are like got back to the newman house like 10 49 like you know it was like you know or excuse me 9 49 right before 10 o'clock and i'm like wow we just you know hit that like 10 yeah. o'clock time because yeah. students wanted to talk students wanted books they wanted autographs they yeah. wanted pictures because you know, Jason, like you have this just magnetic personality that draws people in through your gifts and through the um, the Holy Spirit working through you with um, what God has, you know, given to you in so many beautiful ways. Um, and I really just thank you for sharing those gifts last night with our students because uh, that, you know, for me as a, I know as a campus minister and for Father Rossi as our chaplain, he was so happy. Yeah, he wrote me this beautiful attack afterwards, just thanking for organizing it all and because we know we know the value of it, and we saw it last night. Like, okay, this like you know, this was so valuable to give yeah. our 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 community of our own our own university. My yeah. alumni, you know, my alum. Well, my I always guess I mess this up. My alma mater. Oh, <laughs> I'm a alum, alumnae from it. Oh, yeah. The Latin kills me. I yeah. should know it. I'm Catholic. I know. You're a graduate. Know, I know. I know. My my alma mater. Yeah, I was really grateful because I know you know going there. Like, oh man, there was just so many times. Like, or I wish. I wish, you know, we had something like that when mm-hmm. I was there. So I'm just happy I can give it now, 20 years later. To yeah, that, to you just wish you campus. could get every student on campus. Oh, so, so sit yeah. down, just if you could just hear this coming um, in. I will tell you, if there's one thing that I do that as a campus minister, maybe maybe you go through this, maybe you have tips for me on this, but I'm like, why isn't everybody here? Where are they? No, no excuse is good enough. Like, And yeah. I was like, kind of actually, it was starting to take me over a little bit because mm-hmm. I'm like looking around, I'm like, this one's not there, or that one's not there. Like get, kind of getting upset, like, in my, you know, why aren't no. they here? But... All I could say is, you know what, we prayed, we, we, we asked the Lord to send whoever's supposed to be there, so yeah. that the ones that need to hear it were there. And well, if it'll make you feel any better, the football players say it, and the soccer players say it, and the softball players say it, and the baseball players well, say it, when they're when the entire student body isn't around that field at whatever their sporting yeah. event is, it's always the exact same feel. And the same thing is with the theater groups. Yeah. So you just want everyone It's there. just the yeah. nature. You're but passionate. It's, yeah. it's, but it's the way you want to be. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, but I, I would tell you to know you're in good company with every other club. Mm-hmm. And entity and sporting group yeah, there. Yeah. And Jesus just started with yeah. 12 people anyway, yeah, too. So okay. he managed right. it. Right. Hey, it wasn't all numbers. <laughs> I, I was on the radio at Rowan for a semester, and I could not figure out why the entire why the entire school wasn't listening to my radio show. I can tell you why. And, well, I know why. The, <laughs> I, the podcast has proven that reason. Just but the um, but back then, I was like, man, I don't understand why all students don't listen to this. And yeah. then it's like, yeah, because they have a thousand other things. To I know, to I do. know. Time and, and but, commitments are tough in college. But. but that's why you have been so good. Not to you know be too complimentary to you, you know, outside of my nature. But um, 
the fact that you're doing this year after year and bringing new speakers in all the mm-hmm. time and making mm-hmm. it very public. I mean, I know yeah. it, you'll, I have to assume in that same pit area, you're going to have the, the hope, uh, yeah. it, you're going to have uh, the ashes distribution again this year, probably. Right. Yeah. We'll check with Father Rossi. I mean, yeah. That's, that's his call. I mean, ho- uh, true. Yeah. But hopefully you'll be able to do that. Yeah. Because that was a great experience last yeah. year when yeah. you did it so publicly. Uh, you know, I just want to go back to dating one on one real quick with you, Carrie, which was, is that something, you know, you've been in the job now for two years here and mm-hmm. you've maybe you've did this with high schoolers and, mm-hmm. and oh actually you were working with young adults in the old mm-hmm. job as well um have you helped people with like how to date like you oh, work with young yeah. people all the time i mean i would say specifically the females would naturally gravitate towards those mm-hmm. questions can i talk to you having relationship problems all the time males too um i've had some grown men like crying on my shoulder and you know these moments where you're just like wow you know there's a lot of vulnerability there and they're and they're definitely sharing it with me um, so yes, I can say definitely more females, but there's been some males as well. Mm. And yeah, you definitely um, walk with them, you talk with them, you share with them. Um, again, I've I've quoted Jason a lot of times. I also just you know quoted what what our church teaches and what about like what we should be doing in that time of discernment for vocation, you know. Yeah. And um, always leave all the options open for them. I don't say like oh well your future spouse is there. Like for the men, I I very specifically say well. Keep keep asking what God is calling you to do. You know, it might be this future spouse you're praying for, but pray for your future vocation because you don't know what God is calling you to. And so I always keep it wide open for them and, and talk very honestly with them. And I think um, students and young adults recognize your authenticity. They really do. Yeah, they do. If you're authentic with them, they understand it. They see it. And, and and they could see right through that. And so, you know, I never will sugarcoat anything. You know, I will keep it real. But of course, you know, you have to deliver it with charity. And and a lot of times that's, you know, I'm like praying, always like, give me the right words right now because this is hard, you know, and I know the people involved and I know the personalities involved, but um, but definitely, um, yes, have, have, have been down that road with them. Mm-hmm. And it's an important good. part of ministry, it really is. It's it's a very, very much working with the young church is just so relational. It's all about those relationships. And you know, I'm sure, Jason, you see it from a little different perspective because you come in, you deliver this message, and then you almost have to hand it over to the campus minister or um, the theology teachers or whoever is the next person in their life. Mm-hmm. You know, How does that look from your perspective, actually? Well, it's kind of like you're the boots on the ground. Mm-hmm. I fly by and I just drop like a bunker busting bomb and I just keep going <laughs> on to the next target location. So, you know, you're tilling the soil. Yeah. And then I come and I, you know, drop, you know, some <laughs> munitions down upon it or um, and then you're doing the follow up. But yeah. it's it's we're all working together yeah. just on little, our different little special forces units yeah. that God has called us to do. And because it can't be all me. Because right. I mean, what if we were just a bunch of motivational speakers running around doing a talk by doing a talk by? I mean, mm-hmm. really, how much would that really work? Mm-hmm. But then likewise, that to have someone like me to be able to come into su- support what you're doing of just, okay, you'll, you're Carrie, you're always saying, you know, the message, you're the mm-hmm. campus minister, mm-hmm. but like, wait a minute, other people in the world agree with you. And like, this is reinforcing what you taught us. And yeah. so to me, you know, it's a synergetic type of relationship where we're just doing the work in the gospel, but we're plowing, one's planting the seeds, one's plowing, one's watering it. And it's just like, God's the one who does 
causes the growth and mm-hmm. he entrusts us with the gifts that he's given us to just do the task that he's telling us to do. But, you know, I think it's helpful for me as a speaker to realize like, hey, so much of the fruitfulness of my work depends upon people given gifts that I don't have, mm-hmm. you know, to be the boots in the ground, to be there in that pastoral day to day grind and building the relationships with these people and walking with them. Because when you think of what really brings you to Christ, it's not what are the top five motivational speeches you've heard? It's like, nah, mm-hmm. I can't remember one. Mm-hmm. Okay, what are the top five people that have brought you closer to Christ. And it's like, boom, 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 boom. And they're all people in your daily life. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I have a high estimation for those in the trenches doing the daily grind of youth ministry and things like that, because I just know how important that relational discipling work is. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so last night was uh, at Rome, was at College 101. Mm-hmm. So today we're at Holy Angels Parish in Woodbury, and we mentioned that earlier. Um, so how does this talk differ than the, the one you gave last night? Yeah, well, it's, it's 95% different. Uh, mm-hmm. And so this is more the, the basic chastity talk. And so it's for basically 13 and up, so it's going to be predominantly 8th grade through 12th grade students uh, tackling the stuff that they're ref- wrestling with, whether it's like, well, when should I start dating or how far is too too far or uh, what about pornography why is that bad or how, you know how do I start over I've made some mistakes and just explaining them to the why of chastity you know does, does this make sense or is this some prudish neurotic attitude towards sexuality and how it's not that and how chastity really frees you to love and so it's a it's an introduction to chastity and so we're kind of selling them on that and John Paul II said chastity can only be thought of in association with the virtue of love mm-hmm. so we try to really make that connection clean in their minds um, and then and as soon as the talk is over, we have a time of Eucharistic adoration and confession. Mm-hmm. So if all they get is just a motivational speech for me and some books, well, I mean, good luck with that. But if they can actually have a conversation with God mm-hmm. and have a relationship with him, then this thing's going to last. Because chastity, to me, doesn't really begin until you realize you can't do this on your own. Yeah. And so you've fallen enough on your face to realize okay, this is not going to fly. So I'm like, pull myself up by my own bootstraps. It's not about like really getting stronger. If anything, it's more just acknowledging my weakness. And like, okay, I really need divine assistance to, to live out this virtue. And when you come to that realization is when you begin to have more breakthroughs, I think, instead of thinking, I just got to white knuckle it and try harder. And so we want to bring them into the sacramental life of spending time in adoration, going to confession. So it's not just the kids going, the parents, we want the parents going to confession as well. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So important for kids to see mom and dad in line for confession, because mm-hmm. then it's like, ooh, you know, even mom needs to tell her mother the church he's sorry. Even dad needs to tell mm-hmm. his father that he's sorry. It's not just something you get spoon-fed in religion class, they have to see it with their own eyes. And so that's the idea behind Purified. Let's get the teens and the parents together to hear a talk directed at the teens, but that the parents are listening to. So on the drive home, hey, what did you think about that story you told with this? Mm -hmm. Or what about that thing? Um, Because I know it can be awkward for parents. They're not entirely sure, how do we broach this subject? But if I can kind of break the ice and then get those doors of communication open, hopefully they'll take it from there. That's so powerful for the family. I mean, to be able to witness that and and be able to share on the way home you know days and weeks to come for sure or when it comes up then in their life and something comes up in class or something comes up on the school bus or Mm -hmm. whatever the parents are now a little more equipped and the the wall is broken down you know and that's so key yeah um, I was just just thinking so much how powerful it is to do the adoration and confession like built in how many priests do you have for these kind of events like how do you prepare for them Uh, it it depends on the side of the size of the event I mean sometimes I have a dozen priests there sometimes Mm -hmm. three or four it all depends on how many and uh, what's beautiful to see is the kids go parents go and if I tell them hey go to confession on Saturday afternoon your church three of them will go Um, but if we say hey uh, you don't even have to go to confession confession came to you it's right there there. Um, then boom they get up they go and there's 
15 kids in line for each priest and the, the parents mm-hmm. are in there. And uh, so it's a really powerful because speaking only does so much. I mean, yeah. the sacramental life is really taking it to the next level. Mm-hmm. I mean, to be able to actually forgive their sins and take it away and then go home out of the church as pure as the day that they were baptized. Like, I'm sorry, I can't do that with a nice mm-hmm. talk. Um, mm-hmm. That's why we want to bring the sacrament right into it. So. Yeah. That's awesome. Carrie, in your work, particularly with youth ministry, did were you able to uh, engage confession as into part of your into your activities like oh, that? Oh, always, yeah. Really? I and mean, of course, every retreat, um, we would also set up a lot of times special confessions for our youth. Um, we would like time certain events around. Okay, we're gonna go to confession first, and then go to mass together. Um, it's also always encouraged. So yeah, it's been a vi- the sacraments are so vital to ministry. I mean, you're dead without it. You're dead. I mean, it's just. It, when we have the Lord involved in, in his church, that, that is how we can have success for sure in the faith and in the lives of the young church. I know uh, for sure also adoration has been a key part of our ministries, my ministries that I've ran, like our core team leadership, I always had them do a holy hour once a month together as a group to pray before our meetings. You know, I love Mother Teresa, St. Mother Teresa, and I always think about how she said to her sisters, she said, Mother, we have so much work to do. You know, how can we make a whole holy hour? You know, can we just do like a half hour? And Mother said, well, then you need two holy hours before the work, you know, and that's exact. I use that all the time. I said, if our spiritual life isn't first, um, priority then we got it all wrong so in ministry it is so important to incorporate that and often other youth ministers will meet with me like oh can i pick your brain a little bit i say sure first thing i say to them as well you know how's your prayer life how how is your faith life are you going to daily mass are you frequent in confession you know are you going before the lord in holy hour if that's not set you can't you can't give to others what you don't have it's the most important thing so you know even for another youth minister another campus minister you know the people that work in this field of giving out we need to be filled first we need to have the lord within us first to be able to give it out to others and so it's so important and um just so perfect the way this talk is set up tonight i wish we could have had adoration in the middle of the student center that would have been that would have been something maybe (laughs) maybe a goal next year procession through campus yeah yeah i definitely uh you've done a i I thought there was a it, they did it uh, yeah okay. yeah they did it during covid when there's only outdoor stuff before my time um and we were planning it for the 40 hours last year it just didn't pan out because there's a lot of restrictions with um what's allowed and where it's allowed yeah and the and the rome uh, public safety department and so there's a lot of red tape and it kind of got a little close to the time frame we thought it was just gonna be easy boom go through campus and so we had to pull back last fall on that and we didn't revisit it this year because um, with the timing of certain things but it's on the radar yeah, and it needs to happen. And, and I would go crazy when it does. And you know, as someone who's lived in the area, Rowan has actually been very kind to us over the years. And mm-hmm. there was a, there was actually a, there was a Lenten procession through the campus right before COVID hit. Uh, the, first time or whatever and uh, that was actually a beautiful person that was a, one of I the, took cr- them to the stations of the cross because we just did that through campus was that we did it also this past spring well this was yeah. back before you they got there have, yeah they so might have did it then okay, but we, the we do time. do stations of the cross oh, that's campus, good. so that that is nice it was um, stations i'm sorry it was mm-hmm. stations you're absolutely yeah. right yeah, so we did do that last semester, and it was beautiful and again people watching and looking so that's allowed it's like certain things yeah, again, a lot of red tape at a public university, universities, I'm sure, in general. So it's just working within the means that you're allowed to do and, and then getting the permission to do what you can. You know, it's funny. I'm listening to the two of you speak right now, and I'm, I'm an old man and, uh, you know, Gen Xer. And I'm remembering back to my own high school and college days. And, you know, 
either none of this was available to me or it didn't exist or, you know, this kind of focus just wasn't there. It was a, it was a completely different world. And I often wondered like how, how different my, uh, my young adult life would have been mm-hmm. had, had this been there. Would you say, you know, Carrie, you've been doing this for a long time now. That mm-hmm. not, that it's not a reference to your age. Just you've been a professional yeah. at this for quite some time. Um, you know, a lot of your people are now having kids of their own, right? They've, mm-hmm. they've, they've, done they've gone through these processes Mm -hmm. do you think that having having been someone who's been ministering to these kind of kind of topics that you've seen the the fruit of the labor oh absolutely i mean we have priests and sisters that have come out of our ministry so you know those are great fruits right there great holy families that have come out met you know at the young adult group um because i've been at it for 15 years so some of them have kids their own that are five six years old um holy marriages holy families but you know, we, we kind of harken back to the parable of the seed that falls on, like, some fall on the fertile ground, some fall on the rocky ground, some get scorched up from the world. So you get a little bit of everything um, that come out of your ministries, but you can only hope that the, the soil that you were in charge of, to kind of harken back to Jason earlier, like, of tilling that soil and doing your part to water it, you know, that it is there. And I do see a lot of... Uh, young people coming back and and like just saying thank you or actually last night there was a girl there at talk she came and I said oh you look really familiar were you like a student here or you know have we met through ministry or anything and said I can't place where I know you from she goes oh actually um remember two years ago you and your husband spoke at the Newman house I said oh you were at that talk she said yeah I said okay that was before I got hired there and she's like yeah I said Oh, that's great. I'm glad you were there. She goes, I actually still think about things you said, you know, and just hearing stuff like that. I'm like, okay, like I'm, I'm doing what the Lord wants me to do. You know, I'm just doing my part here and, you know, bringing someone like Jason in, like you said, he's just kind of dropping those bombs. It's like, you need that. You need that to keep inspiring and to keep me going too, you know, to keep me knowing that, okay, I got to keep doing my part. Other people are doing their part. We're all working together here in the, in the vineyard of the Lord and doing our parts. And that's kind of where I see it. You know, that's interesting to hear, hear the two of you must get that from time to time. Do you think about that? Like in the, in the midst of what I'm you're sure doing you did a lot more than me, you spoke to millions of people, <laughs> but millions do, versus thousands. Like, do, yeah. do you think about that? Like, um, that people will be remem- remembering this decades later, you know, that, I mean, what the words you say are, and are actually quite important. Yeah, I know it's, it's a blessing to have been doing this for 25 years. Cause mm-hmm. I get to see the fruit of it, of people coming to me. I was at school recently and the principal's like, Hey, you know, when you came here last, I was in high school and now he's the principal <laughs> of the place or they're meeting nuns or I, like I've been yeah. going to confession to priests who heard my chastity talks when they were in high school wow. and, you know, sisters saying, Hey, you know, your talk was really influential to me and mm-hmm. discovering my vocation and just Beautiful. clearing stuff out of my life that I didn't need that really gave me the freedom to hear God's call to the religious life. And so it's, it's a really, you just feel spoiled getting to hear, you know, mm-hmm. some of the long-term stories, but you know, it, in the end, it'll be received as the gospel was received. You know, mm-hmm. some will spring up, you know, but wither for lack of roots and other ones initially were like, no, I'm not going to do that. And then, then they're going to respond to the call. Mm-hmm. As I see it, it's almost like I used to live in Denver and we'd drive up the mountain sometimes and you drive past like a beef jerky stand and I'm like, oh, that looks good. And then you keep driving. There's another person selling beef jerky out of the back of their pickup. I'm like, man, I could go for some beef jerky. And then you get to the third one. I'm like, I'm pulling over. And then you drive. Like sometimes I get to be like the third beef jerky stand in someone's life where they pull over to me and I think, wow, I did the trick. Well, mm-hmm. actually. 
actually is those two people for you mm-hmm. that kind of get prepared their heart. Or mm-hmm. someone could just drive right by and like, oh, that didn't leave a mark. Mm-hmm. But you never know. That could have gotten one lane closer to the, the time they are going to pull over, you know, and have their conversion. So you don't know where you are in that person's journey. You just want to make sure not to take too much credit or be too hard on yourself mm-hmm. if it doesn't feel like, oh, that changed everybody's life. It's just do what you got to do. And then just you, you water it later with prayer and fasting. And uh, a lot of the heavy lifting is supposed to be done after the talk, mm-hmm. you know, not during it. I think we seek too much satisfaction of yeah. immediate gratification of these conversions. And sometimes we get to see them and, you know, and it's beautiful and I get to see miracles every day. Yeah. Um, but just not to give up, uh, you know, on the people who might, you know, not have had as enthusiastic a reply. But after 20 something years of doing it, we've never had one disrespectful audience of two plus million teenagers. It's wow. just they're it's like you're handing out ribeye steaks in Somalia. I mean, yeah. they're starving and you're yeah. giving them what they want. So, you know, I understand why they're open to the message. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And you deliver it so well, you know, you really do with with charity and clarity is the, the two words I always use for you. I mean, it's just like, you know how to speak to the audience and, and you speak it very clear and with you know, just through through what the message that they need to hear. It is those stakes that yeah. you're throwing out. And it's it's sensitive, but uh, the way I look at it, it's almost like a surgery. So you kind of need your anesthesia, laughing gas. So that's all the jokes, yeah, get the humor. Yeah, 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 get you get them laughing. It's like anesthesia, and then I can stick a knife in you. Yeah. You know, but if I don't <laughs> anesthetize you, and then I pull out the scalpel, you're going to jump off the table. Mm-hmm. And so I try to get them all numbed up with the humor, and then you can go in and make the cuts and take yeah. out the tumors yeah. that you need to. So yeah. it's a gift. It's a gift you have to do that. You know, you you've both been doing this for so long i'm curious have your uh have your techniques changed over the year like over 25 years would you say how you present now is substantially different than how you started well i mean i've learned a lot along the way but a lot is how the content has shifted in terms of the needs of things that need to be addressed that were not on the radar five ten years ago Mm -hmm. it's like this hockey stick acceleration of these issues like wow like we didn't used to talk about stuff like girls struggling with pornography the gender stuff Mm same-sex attraction like wasn't really on the radar 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. And now if you don't address that stuff, it's like, what? Like, are we invisible to you? Um, so I've really had to pivot to make sure that the talk is keeping up with the current pastoral needs of the young people. Yeah. How about you, Carrie? You, have you noticed your oh, ministry I would work absolutely is... agree with that. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And um, actually use, again, a lot of Jason's content for that. Love to bring up your latest book, uh, Male, Female, Other. I mean, that I think has been a, a very... Um, pivotal role in my life reading through that and getting content from that having our young adults read through it last semester for other book club and and maybe if you could speak a little bit more about the content of that and your research and how you're able to present that in a in a society today that gets so fired up about anything that is countercultural to them you know um to be able to share that you know we want to we want to yeah, just share a little bit about yeah. that book because I think it's just so important and so needed and, and our audience can really value a lot from it. Yeah, I mean, there's that saying, necessity is the mother of invention. And so the reason I wrote the book is because in all these travels I was doing, I was meeting the kids struggling with gender dysphoria or identifying as trans and non-binary. I'm talking to the parents who are like, what do I do? My daughter wants a top surgery. She says she's non-binary, you know, wants me to use they, them pronouns. Like, what the heck is going on? What did I do wrong? And just so much struggle between parents and teens of identity searches of the kids. So I thought, okay, I needed to just write a book, like Mm -hmm, a a resource mm -hmm. that you could give to a priest, that you could give to a seventh grade teacher who's got a kid in the class that says they're trans, give to the parents, give to the kid that's wrestling with gender dysphoria, to know that there's space in the church for them to navigate through these difficult identity questions. Um, And so I figured, okay, I'm going to read like 15 books on the subject, and then I'll just combine that with the pastoral experience I've had over the years, and I'll write the book. So 
after finishing like the 15 or so books, I'm like, I haven't even scratched the surface. Like I need to read five more books on endocrinology, five more on pediatric medicine, five more on psychology, on Marxism, on feminism, on anthropology, theology, like, because you're talking about the human person, which is so vast. (laughs) And it's like, at the end, you have to surrender the fact that man is a mystery, but you can't not be competent in any of these fields if you want to speak into this subject. And so I ended up going down this rabbit hole of reading more than 20,000 pages of literature on it, Um, you know, from the peer reviewed sociological studies and psychology to a lot of the stuff written by trans advocates and allies and like, okay, where are they coming from? What's their story? I mean, listening to literally hundreds of hours of their stories on YouTube and their testimonies and their, you know, different blogs and this and that and and just trying to really hear them out instead of just being like, okay, I need to disprove transgenderism. It's like, no, no, no. You know, the posture we need to take is not just to disprove or dismiss, but to have a posture of listening. Okay, this person's clearly wrestling with something um, and listen to that gender dysphoria with kind of a reverent curiosity. Not in the sense of, okay, let's just do whatever your dysphoria tells us to do, but okay, what's the story underneath this distress? You know, when is, where's this coming from? What is, what is this telling us? And if we can listen to it with more compassion instead, and, and, and just curiosity, and I think we're going to make a lot more pastoral progress in this instead of just kind of dismissing it all gender fluid, non-binary, trans woman nonsense. You're either XX or XY. That's all there is to it. And if that's kind of our attitude, they're just going to feel erased and attacked. It's like, Mm -hmm. okay, no room for me in the church, Mm -hmm. but we've got to admit this is a, this is a perplexing issue. And it makes a lot of people just want to be like, I don't don't know what the heck you do you and I'll do me. And it's like, wait a minute, we need to have a response, like you mm-hmm. said, that is full of charity at the same time clarity. So you're not ca- you're not caving in on Catholic anthropology. You're not backing off on that. It's almost like you're holding onto their hand with one hand. You're holding onto reality with the other, and you're not letting go of either hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, what surprised you from maybe sending? I knew I knew you sent it out to yeah. like all the pastors of mm-hmm. churches. I received one as a campus minister, like okay. in my mailbox. I'm like, oh cool, like it's the, the booking information for our talk in the fall. And then I open it up, I'm like, no, this is like yeah. a total like free book I just received, yeah. like totally different than I was thinking what it was in the mail. Um, what has been some of your reaction from the pastors, from yeah. those who, who shepherd the young church in this, um, accompanying them in this walk? Yeah, we sent it to every bishop in America, every Catholic high school theology chair, okay. every college campus minister in America. Mm-hmm. We just raise mm-hmm. money and just just send uh, it everybody amazing. one for free. Yeah. Because the challenge is a lot of our pastors, like they didn't go to seminary to learn how to offer pastoral care to non-binary parishioners. It's like, what the heck is that? You know, and then you've got junior high teachers that are like, hey, I've got three girls in my seventh grade who say they're trans. And then they go to the principal, what's our policy? And the principal's like, I don't have a policy. Mm-hmm. Ask the pastor. Oh, I don't have a policy. Well, ask the bishop. Oh, I don't have a policy. Like, what are we doing? So yeah. everybody's kind of scrambling for answers in a way that can care for this young person and their family without alienating from the Catholic Church while at the same time realizing, okay, I've got a responsibility also to these other 300 families in our school who don't want to be bombarded with this difficult issue and they want their kid not to have to worry about, okay, this kid wants to use our bathroom. Like, what do Mm -hmm. I do as the leader of all these souls without getting a lawsuit, you know, dropped in my lap from this person and CNN on the doorstep doing some expose because we're just not an inclusive environment. So it's just a lot of questions. Okay, where can we offer a reasonable compromise and where do we need to hold our ground and then mm-hmm. what are the battles we need to die on you know the hills we need to die on and then what are the places where we can offer reasonable accommodations for this person and so so many questions like that college students being like well 
I, I have to graduate, you know, University of Wisconsin-Madison. You can't graduate unless you take a whole semester in gender studies. Oh. I, it doesn't matter if you're secondary education, mm-hmm. engineering, nursing. you got to sit through a course of just indoctrination and gender theory or you don't get to graduate. And so these students are sitting there hearing these messages from the gender professors of just like, what, there's five sexes? And wait, huh, this is a spectrum? And like, I never heard that before. But they don't know how to stand up. And, they, and they're afraid if they do, even if they knew what to say – they would just get written off as, oh, you're the transphobic, hateful bigot. And so they just stay quiet. Even though most people are on board with them and agree with them, everybody's afraid to speak up. And so in the book, I, I wanted to give the language that they could use to be able to enter into this conversation, you know, with some level of competence. And um, yeah, but it was surprising writing the thing of like how much I had to learn. Yeah, it, it's the it requires more nuance and understanding and and than any other subject I think I've ever dove in dove yeah. into before. Yeah, and you know, just looking at all the references in the back, it's like yeah, it's more than it's, a thousand. It's <laughs> thick, <laughs> like it's a couple. That's a good length. Um, I was curious about how you got all the reading done, the research, yeah. listening. I mean, you're on the road a lot, mm-hmm. and then you're you have a family, mm-hmm. eight children. Yep. And a wife yep. and needs at home, and yep. then you're doing these talks and you're uh, you're going everywhere. How do you, how do you find the time to do it all? Um, well, the airplane rides great for reading. Okay. I have these bright neon yellow earplugs I put in as soon as I get in my seat, which just announces the people next to me don't, don't speak to me. me. <laughs> yeah. And then and then I'm just locked in reading, you know, yeah. the whole time. Um, then I'm driving. I'm just listening to podcasts. I'm listening mm-hmm. to other people's stories, their witness, their testimonies from transitioners, detransitioners, all these things. So I'm not just saying, okay, let me just focus on my Catholic theology. I, I really just spent, I mean, thousands and thousands and thousands of pages of literature that they wrote of this is why we need to transition and this mm-hmm. is why your side is wrong. And, that, that, um, and then just listening to a lot of their stories of, yeah, I was just in so much distress. The only thing that I could possibly find to mitigate my dysphoria was to transition and just really trying to hear them out so that way when I do have conversations they feel heard they feel like okay this Mm -hmm. guy gets me like this guy knows how distressing this really is to feel like I'm trapped in the wrong body to feel like I'm having to put on this costume every day and and sign up for this being this play that I never signed up for I mean one guy emailed me and he's like yeah he feels like he said, I've never felt at home anywhere because when I'm with the guys, he says, I feel like I'm mimicking the gorillas so they don't realize that I'm not one of them. But then he says, when I'm around the girls, I feel like I'm in performance mode and I'll never, never truly be one of them either. And that coupled with the fact he said that I have autism, he said, you can just imagine how much of a freak I felt like growing up. And when you really listen to the stories, like your heart kind of like, wow, this this must be really hard. Mm-hmm. This isn't like, you're wrong. You know, yeah. here's your chromosome. It's like, no, no, no. Like, they need to know that the church is listening to them and understands that, that, that there's a story there. And it's not to say, okay, well, then go ahead and get puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones and double mastectomies, and then all their problems go away. No, we've got to be very honest about, like, no, no, no. Do not use the body as a false target of intervention. That it's almost like, hey, that's the problem. It's my breast. That's the problem is this. And once we just get rid of that, life is going to be peachy. And then you follow these individuals after the procedures and their suicide rate climbs the 19 mm-hmm. times higher than the general population. And it's like, okay, why is this not working? And what could work for someone who's really struggling with this? So, yeah, so yeah, all, all the research was, I think, just really necessary to learn that language to be able to speak to their hearts. Yeah, I think that's so important. I mean, in some ways, it's almost like reviewing the tape, right? Like yeah. in the locker room a little bit. Like yeah. you, get, you get to see the other side so that you can, you know, be able to know where they're coming from and, yeah. and to, to I don't want to say like plan an attack because that's not what it is no, but no. you know to like be able to to meet them where they're at and now 
now walk with them. Yeah, because in the end, it's not really us, them. Yeah. It's like all of us have a disintegration in yeah. our sexuality yeah. in one way or another. And it's not like, hey, I got it together because I know I'm yeah. a man. Yeah. You know, or like when it comes to same sex attractions, yeah. thinking like, you know, my masculinity is defined by how attracted I am to women. Because like, I almost wish that was the case because then mm-hmm. I could be like, wow, I'm such a man because I think women are beautiful. It's mm-hmm. like, no, no, no. That's not the gauge of your masculinity. Mm-hmm. And so if they can hear us uh, explain, like, yeah. All of us have a disintegration between, you know, our bodies and our souls. Mm-hmm. And it manifests in all kinds of different mm-hmm. ways. Mm-hmm. And we're in this boat together. And yeah, your disintegration might look different than mine, but like we're all this is not like they say like a hospital for or a museum for saints. The church is more of a hospital for sinners. Mm-hmm. And so if we have more of a humble attitude, then I think they'll be like, Okay, well, I'll walk with you mm-hmm. instead of just like, Oh, I've got all my stuff together. Come on in my church and I'll fix you. It's mm-hmm. like thanks, but no thanks. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you wonder yeah. why they're fleeing towards the LGBT clubs and alliance groups yeah. on campus because there they can find the sense of identity community and mission and those are such core needs of the human person that if the church is not offering that to them uh then they're going to go find it elsewhere Mm -hmm. that's why there's such an anaphylactic reaction if you try to question the ideologies underneath it's like this is hate speech and you're guilty of genocide it's like whoa no 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 no. i'm just saying i don't want to use your pronouns Mm -hmm. oh you're violent like Mm -hmm. what huh no i would never lay a finger on you oh you hate me no i don't like why this big reaction because in a sense what they feel like we're pulling away from them is their identity, their community, their mission. And then if they don't have that, what do they have? And mm-hmm. so this this idea of a gender has even become like a, a, a secular soul to them. That like this is their soul. This is like the most permanent reality of who they are beyond even their body. And so it's almost replaced the soul in spirituality, this an internal sense of a gender identity. Mm-hmm. And so that's why we've got to understand what we're dealing with, why there's that sensitivity. You know, so a lot of listening is needed, not yeah. just preaching. We got yeah. to hear where they're coming from to be effective apostles. Yeah, so true. Wow, this has been great. And it really already, has. We're already rounding down to the end here. Yeah. If people want to learn more, where can they go to learn more? Yeah, our website is just chastity.com. Okay. Um, we also have a podcast called Lust is Boring, and I interview all kinds of guests on these topics and more. Uh, but go to chastity.com and then get the book Male, Female, Other, uh, different books on on dating, relationships, breaking free from pornography, parenting teenagers, practicing chastity, starting over, healing from sexual abuse, theology of the body, John Paul II. So we've got tons of resources uh, for families, singles, young adults, priests, teachers, curriculum, all kind of stuff at chastity.com. Yeah, I was hanging out on the website uh, a bit this week, and I have to say that is a uh, a full service website you got it's there. Robust. That is that is. There's lots there that uh, not to me. You have your podcasts, yeah. videos, books. You know, yeah. it's it's really and and all of your speaking engagements. I, I saw mm-hmm. your calendar. That is, you are a well traveled man. Uh, it keeps me out of trouble. Yellow earbuds. <laughs> Look yeah. for the guy with the yellow yeah, earbuds. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. know it's you. I had a question about tonight's event. Just out of curiosity, do the uh, do the kids sit with their parents, or do they sit separate? Yeah, the from the teens parents? sit in the front, and parents right behind them. Okay, because that... otherwise it gets super awkward. Let me tell you a chastity joke while you're sitting next to your mom, and then they're you know like, it's super awkward. So we want the kids sitting with their friends, so they're comfortable, and then they're more receptive. So. Yeah. But we want the parents in the room, just right behind the teens. Yeah, okay. you know your audience. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. First time you do that you're like yeah we're never gonna do that again parents in the back yeah they get a lot quieter yeah Yeah. I I was I had that when you were telling the story I'm like man that's uh that's got to be a unique uh situation but separate I 
Well, you're even, a parent of a teenage boy. Yeah, I walk out of the room whenever something yeah, uh, a see, nerve comes up. I, I know what's about to happen, particularly with old moves. I'm like, he does not want me standing next to him right now. Um, but uh, but then we also have conversations. I, I saw so the benefit I have now is that I take him to school every day, and I have for the last year. And the, it's actually been. It, I'm going to tell everybody right now, every parent right now, if you have the opportunity to drive your kid to school, and I have a 45 minute drive to take him to school, that is the best time to be with him because mm-hmm. it's first thing yeah. in the morning. He's not grumbly yet. He's tired, but he's not grumbly yet. But we have had some of the best conversations, and nothing is off the topic, and it's it's nice. So listen to your kids and chat with your kids, folks. So needed. And as a parent of a five-year-old, something that I learned is, like, listen to them now because you're going to want them to listen. Mm-hmm. They're going to want to listen to them later. So if you don't start that now, oh, yeah. they're going to just see, all right, mom doesn't listen, dad doesn't listen. They're always walking away from me. So for the young parents out there, listen to them now because you're going to want to listen to them later. Yeah, yeah, I heard the average child will spend more time watching TV by the time they turn six years old and they will spend talking to their parents over the course of their entire life to their father. Mm-hmm. That that sounds Turn about off accurate. the screen yeah. and start talking and listening. That's yeah. right. So well, Jason, true. thank you very much for joining us and I hope you have a great uh, uh, great presentation tonight, Thank and you. good luck with everything going we forward. We just ask all the listeners, please, please pray for the fruitfulness of the events here and elsewhere. Yes. Thanks so much for listening. God bless.